Thank you for joining us today. You are moments away from a sermon by Pastor Hank Wilson, presented by Thompson Presbyterian Church in Thompson, Georgia. We are an associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that seeks to glorify God, grow in Christ, and go in His Spirit. You can hear this sermon and many others this time every Sunday right here on WTHO 101.7 FM. You can also listen to sermons on our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Please come and join us and worship God with us in spirit and in truth. Again, if you are unable to attend or not yet comfortable in joining us, please feel free to watch the service live on our Thompson Presbyterian Church YouTube channel every Sunday at 11 a.m. I thank you for being with us today. Now let us turn our attention to the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by looking at his holy scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Uh, Sunday school went well this morning. We had our first uh, day back. We hope that you would join us, um, that you would come and be a part of that. Uh, We are doing the social distancing thing, so you're able to come, and and Jim is roaming uh, within, you know, staying six feet away from everybody, but giving everybody the opportunity to be a part of that. So come here, um, the discussion on the long obedience uh, about discipleship and what it means to endure, persevere uh, with patience in, in being a disciple of Jesus Christ on this pilgrimage through the Psalms of Ascent. Brother Jim's doing a great job. Thank you, Jim, for leading us this morning. Again, next week, 9.30, Lord willing, uh, we will come together and, and have Sunday school lesson number two. Um, and we're looking at Psalm 120 and 121, so prepare yourself for reading those and come and join us right here at 930. Uh, The other announcement that I have is, um, obviously, you can see that the communion table is empty this morning. We were supposed to have communion today. Well, based off of the spike and increases of covid around the country the session has prayerfully considered that and we have decided to just refrain from offering communion at this time we want to be very sensitive uh, and smart about things and although we all are longing for communion with the lord i have no doubt that our heart and our passion is for that we want to be uh, mindful of what's going on around us so we're going to not do that today and so i apologize for letting you know at the last moment but I think it's a wise decision that your session has made, and I just pray um, somehow God would, uh, through the other means of grace, would encourage you and strengthen you in your walk uh, without that bread and that wine uh, today. All right, enough of the doom and gloom, enough of what we're not going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship today. We're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ So let's start by going in prayer, and then we will sing praises to him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for what you are doing in our midst. We thank you that amongst amongst all the turmoil and all of the unknowns, the things that are going on in the world, we can come into your house, that we know that when we are gathered, you are gathered with us, that your spirit leads us, that Jesus Christ, our high priest, is perfecting our worship, that all that we say and that we do is going to be geared, hopefully, O Lord, into worshiping and praising you. We ask, O Lord, that you would capture every one of our thoughts, that they would be captured by Christ, that you would, with your Holy Spirit, guide our hearts and our tongues so that we may praise you this morning. 
that we would praise You for Your goodness. We would praise You for Your providence. We would praise You for Your mercy, for Your salvation, for all the glorious things that You have given us. Lord, help us to reflect upon those this morning, to be encouraged by those and strengthened by all of these things that we will see and hear. Your goodness, what You have done for us, how You've been patient with us, and You continue to do so, that we may be saved and called by Your name. Guide us this morning, O Lord, as we come and we sing and we hear your word and we worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Oh, that was almost impressive. <laughs> I'm almost scared to wonder what's next. How awesome it is, though, that we do get to come into the house of the Lord and to sing his praises. And I want to encourage you, if you're not familiar with the Faith Life app, this is the time that you might be interested in it for your phone or your iPad. Uh, I know that that's kind of uh, taboo for some, but hear me out. Uh, if you're having a hard time or maybe the words on the screen uh, are not helpful for you, if you download the app, you can follow the bulletin on your app and actually have the words on your phone or your tablet if that's helpful for you as well. And if all else fails, if you're uncomfortable with any of those and you need a hymnal, you just have to have a hymnal, um, I'd, I'd be glad to give you a hymnal. You can take it home with you. You can bring it in, whatever, if that would work for you. We just, we want to reduce any of that in this, at this time of passing hymnals and, and uh, using those things. But if you really want one, you can let me know and uh, I'll take it under consideration. I'll, I'll get you one, I will. I'm not, I'm not the keeper of the hymnals. Worst case scenario, just go in the sanctuary and get one, okay? We're going to continue our study looking at God's Word, Galatians chapter 5. So turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. And we've, I know, almost beat this verse up, haven't we? We've read it over and over. But there is no such thing with the Word of God. Because each one of these actually is uh, a word that we're familiar with, but my hope is that we can take a new look at it, or we can look at it and be reminded what the word actually means, so that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and, and what it is that we are to um, live out in our life, we can know better what God expects of us as people. We got it? Somebody's got it. Galatians chapter 5. Somebody, are they going to read it for us? All right. See. <laughs> We're going to wait for Miss Nancy to figure out her phone. She got it? Okay, great. I'm going to read it as opposed to the phone reading it. So Galatians, there it is. So the hymns went well. <laughs> I wondered where it was coming from. Galatians chapter 5. Isn't it great that we can laugh in the house of the Lord? Galatians 5. We're going to look at verses... Actually, you know what? I'm going to read verse 16 all the way through 24 as we have been doing so that we can remember the context. But our focus will be Galatians 5, through 23. Let's hear the word of the Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit... And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, purity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, that Your Word endures forever, that the flower fails, but Your Word does not. We thank You, O Lord, that there is in this world truth, Your truth, established for us, that we may know it. We thank You that You are not a God far off, but You are a God who comes close, has condescended to us, Your people, that You made Your Son in the form of human, so that we may know you and your truth. We praise you, O Lord, for this opportunity we have to come to be encouraged, to be strengthened. We ask, O Lord, for you to change our heart, that you would renew our minds, that you would strengthen us, and that you would encourage us by what we are about to hear today. As we look at the patience of God the Father for His people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Did you know that General George Washington almost canceled his crossing of the Delaware River? Could you imagine what the result of that would have been? We are all hopefully familiar with that December 24th and 25th event in 1776 where George Washington was to get his troops across this 300-yard span of water to stop the advancement of the British and the Hessian troops moving toward Trenton, New Jersey. They were going to keep the enemy from gaining ground in the war. And I don't know how much you know about this event, but there are a lot of challenges to what George Washington wanted to do with these trips. The first thing that you need to know is this was a huge undertaking. It was a very aggressive plan in its day to somehow keep this element of surprise in this large troop movement. It was hard. This can be very challenging. Yet General Washington knew it was necessary. And then as the plan began to come together and unfold, there were even more challenges. Next, there were heavy storms and snow and cold. The winds were blowing much like a hurricane. In addition to that, there were spies and dissenters who had given up on General Washington and had gone to the British was telling them of the plan. His navy was a bunch of cargo boats and ferries to get across this water. 
And then after he got across the water with all the troops, hopefully under the cover of darkness, hopefully quietly and with the element of surprise still there, there was a 10-mile march. Again, in the sleet and snow and the hurricane-like winds. And sometime in that movement, George Washington realized that his timetable was off. He was way behind. He was now afraid of not having the element of surprise. He was afraid of what was going to await his troops when they got there. And so in this, he considered for a moment, should we retreat? Should we go back? All these things in front of him, all these things weighing him down, why wouldn't he want to just go back and start over and wait for a more sunny day? I don't know what General Washington was thinking or feeling, but I would imagine it would be something like, God, why me? Why, why, why now? Are you trying to tell me something? And for a moment, he thought about retreating. And then he realized that if he did... He risked not only being spotted, but harassed by the enemy in their retreat. And through patience, he decided to push on. And the rest, we know, is history. Patience is a virtue. The biblical understanding of patience is a little different than I think how, than what we'll use the word today, how we use the word today. And I want to draw this out. We've talked about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace. And we can go back and reflect upon those and look at all those, but here's this word that almost seems out of place, doesn't it? It's not really an emotion like joy or love. It's a little different. But what is the biblical definition and how should we look at patience as a fruit of the Spirit? Well, in the Hebrew, this word was often used, and literally it meant long of face. To be long of face. Or slow to anger. See, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Long of face meaning not allowing your emotions to overcome you and to change you and to basically respond to whatever the circumstance is. You're, you're patient in enduring whatever is going on in your life. You're slow to anger. This I can understand And uh, raising a nine-year-old. Slow to respond with anger. Patient. In other words, controlling myself and how I interact with the circumstances of life. Now, the Greek word here is a little bit different, but not much, in that it reflects long-suffering. And some of your translations may have long-suffering or forbearance. Now, both of those words probably don't mean a whole lot to us because we don't use them today. We use patience. But again, I think long-suffering really helps us understand this word a lot better. Long suffering. Suffering with length. Suffering 
longly. In other words, suffering is a main part of patience. We as Christians tend to be like the world. We don't like suffering. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like whatever is going on around us, and we want relief from that, whether it be our circumstances, our situation, our life circumstances, wherever God has us. Somehow, the world thinks that wherever you are isn't right, it's messed up, and it needs to be fixed, or it needs to be uh, progressed, or it needs to be relieved somehow. The life of the Christian, however, is that of suffering, and that of long-suffering. And if we tend to be like the world, saying, I want to be relieved from the circumstances that God has me in, I'm afraid that we are accusing God of not doing things correctly. You see, when we start to question our circumstances, when we start to think impatiently about things, we act more like the world than we do a disciple of Jesus Christ. See, patience is, or has as its understanding, that God is in control, and that whatever situation I am in, God has me there for a purpose, for a calling. My calling is to suffer. Now, that's not a slogan we like to put on the front of the church to get people to come and be new members. Come suffer with us, right? That's not what we... And I imagine George Washington didn't do that to his troops. Hey guys, this is going to be horrible. Come along with me. Let's go. But that's the reality. There is pain and suffering. And and some of the ways that this um, comes out in the Christian life may be something like this. Why me? God, why me? Why am I going through this pain and suffering. Why am I going through this calamity? Why have I lost my job? Why have I done whatever, right? That's our response. God, why me? Again, impatience. We want relief. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't somehow believe God has us jobless for a reason. Or whatever our circumstance may be. Now, well, maybe it's not us, right? Maybe another question is, why them? Lord, why in the world would you do that to such a good individual? Why would that person have to suffer this thing? So it's not always about us. Sometimes we do look at others. My point is the same. We are not living patiently. We are not patiently looking at God's world and trusting in Him and being okay with it. You see the difference? The world has this thought, this desire that we should be relieved from all these things, and it would be great if we could. The reality is, the circumstances of our life shows us that we are called by God to those circumstances. If we believe that God is sovereign, we believe that God is in control. So in order to get a better understanding of patience, here's what I want to do. I want to look at the the source of patience. I want to look at the one who is patience. 
and that is God. I want us to see three things this morning. God is patient. How do I know God is patient? Well, let me prove it to you. God is patient in withholding His wrath on the world. God is patient in withholding His wrath on the world. And when we think of patience and we think of God, we must have something first fixed in our mind. And that is this. This is what's called an attribute of God. An attribute of God. An attribute being something that we can say that belongs to God. Now, Burkhoff in his systematic theology, if you ever need some night reading, that's a good one for you. You can read on the attributes of God and see how long it takes you to get through it. Let me just break it down for you. Burkhoff says, rather than attribute, because attribute really uh, conveys that there's something being added. Okay, God doesn't have anything added to Him. He says, rather, it, it should be understood as God's property, a property of God, or, not how we use the word today, a virtue of God. Both of those words better capture but you will hear as common practice an attribute of God. And that's what we mean. Not something added to God, but it's something that we can say this is who God is because He says it in His Word. And so God is patient. Another way, biblically, to look at this, if you look at 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Another way to frame this is patience is one of God's excellencies. It's different than our patience because God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. God is patience. And we know that from scriptures. And we'll see that as we go forward. But what I want you to understand is another biblical way of looking at this is patience is one of God's excellencies. It's a way that we speak about God because it's a way God speaks about Himself. It's a part of His nature. 1 Peter 3.20 Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. What's going on here? Here is Peter referring to God's patience. God being patient. What is, what is God doing in the story of Noah? Do you remember how God was patient? God was patient because what was going on in the world? Sin and Genesis 6, 11 through 12. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Here's God looking down on his creation and now being riddled with sin and corruption and violence. What should he have done at that very moment? what he kind of alluded to in the flood, right? He should have nixed everybody. He should have gotten rid of all the wickedness, all the sin. He should have gotten rid of everything. The world was corrupt. 
Yet, how is it that Peter says God is patient? Well, he didn't give them what they deserved. He did not release his wrath on his creation. As a matter of fact, he saved that for his son later on the cross. What he did was gave them an out. He gave them Noah and an ark and two of every animal and Noah's family. And he provided what? Salvation amidst corruption. You see, we can't think of God's patience and not automatically come to the conclusion that God is saving people, and without patience, I don't think God would save His people. God withheld His wrath on a people who rightly deserved every single ounce of that wrath. The floods came. The earth mostly destroyed. Yet after the flood, we see the ark open up. And we see God establish a covenant with Noah, the rainbow in the sky. And again, what do we see? The patience of God in working toward redeeming His people. Now, the irony of ironies here, or the the trend, is if you skip over from Genesis 6 and read the narrative of the, the, the flood and of Noah, Genesis 6 and 7, It isn't long before you get to chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. What happens in chapter 11? The Tower of Babel. The wickedness again comes back into the world. God is patient by withholding His wrath from a world that rightly deserves it. But God also is patient in this way. He's patient in enduring man's disobedience and sin. Just as if coming out of the flood you wouldn't have learned a lesson and then going to the Tower of Babel you pick up where you left off and you start the corruption again. Somehow you think, well, why haven't we learned our lesson? And as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, there's nothing new under the sun. What we've seen in wickedness of the past is also the wickedness we see today. But here's a God who is patient by enduring man's disobedience and sin. Now, how many of us as parents, or as guardians of, in any sense, allow those who we have oversight of to continue in disobedience and sin without some form of correction? It's unheard of. And most of us, if we could figure out how to stop it completely, we would do it, right? If there was a way I could get my nine-year-old to be obedient all the time, boy, give me that pill. Give me that book. Help me. I'd love it. But it's not there. In Numbers chapter 11, we read the complaint of the Jews. The complaint of the Jews. Remember the Jews... God brings them out of Egypt, takes them out in the desert, takes care of them. Moses takes them out of slavery. And God takes everything under His control and moves it in their favor and rescues them, saves them. 
And again, you don't have to get very far into the book of Numbers till you see the complaining before God. Look at it. Verse 1, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. They complained directly to God. Why us, God? Why would you bring us out here? Why would you give us this food? Why would you take us away from what we had to live, put us in a desert? And then they cried out to Moses. Verse 2, Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the name of the place was called Tiberah because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Huh. You know what we remember, they said, verse 5, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, you see, they're looking back going, man, you know how good we had it? And God's like, you were a slave. You worked for free. You were oppressed. Oh, but we had it so good. If that we had meat to eat was their complaint before Moses. Sometimes we're like the Jews, aren't we? Sometimes we are complaining to God, why me? We want we become very impatient. We become much like the Jews. Lord, if you would just do this, if you would hurry up, if you would give me meat, if, if you remember how good I had it and you moved me here. And look at the circumstances you have me in, O oh Lord. But you know what's neat about this story in Numbers? God responds. Responds in two ways. First, He establishes His church. He gives them elders to lead and to manage. And he starts this thing we call church with leaders and an organization. He brings it together and he says, now these men are going to rule and they're going to help. We're going to try to get to some of the bottom of the complaining. But he also deals with the wickedness. Because he gave them what what they wanted, right? Do you remember the story? At the end, there were some that were complaining so loudly that they wanted to quell. And so God said, yeah, I'm going to give you quell. You want meat? I'll give you meat. The stuff I'm providing isn't good enough. Okay, that's great. And no sooner did they bite down on it, they fall over dead. Impatience. God is patient with his people because God created out of that a remnant. Moses and his faithful few continued. And all of this to bring out the fact that God is working His plan of salvation patiently. Why would God be so patient with these sinful humans? Well, lastly, I want you to see God is patient in the salvation of His people. He's patient in the salvation of His people. This is the purpose, this is the reason that God has withheld His wrath on us because he is saving a people to himself so often we get enamored with what's going on around us we forget what God is doing in the background throughout scripture as you read and it unfolds everything you see is God's redemptive historical plan 
just a big word, bunch of big words to say what God is doing to save people in the grand scale of things. You know, some of us may even ask, again today, with all that's going on, well, why, why is God waiting? Why doesn't he just end it all? You know, I, I'm a Christian. He has saved me. He has saved us. We're ready. Why don't he just come back and save, save us all and, and make everything better? Why doesn't he just fix it right now? I mean, come on, let's be honest. How many of us would love for Christ to come today and make everything better, Right? Right. Why? Well, Romans, Paul gives us the answer. Romans 2.4. He says, or Do you presume on the riches of the kindness of forbear- and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? What's he saying? God is patient because there are people that are being saved and being added to His kingdom. He is patiently calling them. And you know, here's an interesting fact. Some of them may not even be born yet. So here we are thinking, well, let's go. Let's get this over with. Well, what have we done to those that are being saved in days to come? Jesus is the greatest example here of salvation, isn't he? When we think of God's patience and salvation, we must think of the greatest example, Jesus Christ. His Son coming down to save the world. To have the wrath of God that's rightly to be placed on us, placed on Him. Placed on Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.16 But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect what patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. Jesus Christ is the example that we see for perfect patience. Now this isn't to say that Jesus Christ is only an example or a model for us and we can look at Jesus and say, oh, we all want to be patient like Jesus. That's not the point. The point here is Jesus gives us the big picture, helps us understand what's going on in the world. That He came to save, to die for the lost, for the wicked. We heard it last week in Dr. Kara's sermon. God is a just God who justifies the ungodly. That doesn't make any sense, does it? But if you understand God's plan, that God is patiently saving His people, it begins to make sense. And we see this play out in the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's patience in redeeming His people can be seen through Christ. Think about it. Think about Christ going to the cross for us, holding His tongue as He's being beaten. Why? Because He knows what God is doing in saving His people. God is patient. And out of this patience, He is saving His people. Now understanding this is very important. Understanding what God is doing and who God is helps us then know how to live, doesn't it? 
Helps us to understand how to live. If God is working on saving people, and that is his primary purpose, ultimately, so that he may be glorified in it, but that's what he's doing, and that's what the church is called to do. That's what we're called to do. Why is that not a primary concern for us? Why are we asking, Lord, why me? You see, we've totally neglected to put what's primary to God, primary in our, in our life. We are not concerned with salvation and what God is doing to redeem the world. We're more worried about ourselves and my circumstances. And the reality is God may be using some of that in your life for the salvation of the world. You don't know. We have no idea how God is using our situation. Understanding God is patient also teaches us how to live with one another, doesn't it? If God is patient with me, who rightly deserves his wickedness or his wrath for my wickedness, how often do I say, well, that person over there is wicked, they deserve that wrath too, God? We like to point that out, don't we? Make good bad habits of doing that. But see, if God is patient with me, why wouldn't I pray that God would be patient with them? Maybe God is drawing things out in our perspective because that person, along with others, is being called to be a child of God. See, understanding God's patience should change our thinking, should change our heart. Not simply because it's a fruit of the Spirit. He has given it to us. Oh, great, now I have it. I can use it, right? Like it's mine somehow. No, what, what's really going on here, the fruit of the Spirit is saying, hey, look, you need to understand the God that dwells in you through His Spirit, has given you His Spirit, is patient. And He's patient because He's saving people. He's saving the lost. Oh, yeah, I remember. Therefore, I need to be patient. Therefore, I need to be okay with suffering. Therefore, I need to say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. It's not my business to know who you're saving. And I don't know why you've got me in this situation. But your will be done. Your will be done. You know, real quick, let me remind you of a story. You remember Jonah? You remember the story of Jonah? Since, a little, since I was a little kid, I always remember the story of Jonah and being swallowed by a fish. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, what was it like to be swallowed by a fish? That's, you missed the whole point. You know, Jonah's problem was God called him to go do a job, to go to Nineveh. And what did he say? No way, man. Those people are wicked. They don't deserve it. They don't, you're gracious. You're loving. They don't deserve any of that. And so he goes, and he runs. And he gets on a boat, headed somewhere else. And then the storm comes, right? The sailors figure out, hey, this is your God doing this to you because you're supposed to be where? Okay, you're gone. Chunk. Fish comes along, swallows him up, spits him out. He ends up in Nineveh. So God is doing whatever he's going to do to make Jonah do what Jonah's supposed to do. And all the way to the end, you remember how 
infuriated Jonah was that God actually, because what happened? What happened to the Ninevites? They heard and they repented. And Jonah, because he couldn't get over himself, because he only saw the little picture, because he was so enamored with what was going on in his own life, he neglected to see what God had done in saving people. And all the way to the end, he disliked what God had done. Brothers and sisters, we could very easily miss the picture. God is patient because He's saving a people for Himself. Why are we so impatient? Why? Do we not believe that God is actually saving people? And that He may use us in our circumstances, in our situation, to work that out in front of us? Do we believe that? And if we do, Let us be a people of patience. Colossians says, put on patience. Practice patience. You cannot follow a patient God and not be a patient people. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, for Your grace and Your mercy and Your love. Train us, teach us, mold us, and make us, O Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Receive the benediction and let us be dismissed and go with the blessing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may He equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in you that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to support the ministry of Thompson Presbyterian Church and the spread of God's word, we would ask that you consider two things. First, consider praying with us. Pray that God would use his word to impact the lives of his people and to draw the lost to himself. As he says in Isaiah 55:11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Secondly, we would ask that you consider giving financially. You can support this and other ministries by giving through our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Just go to the giving page and follow the instructions. You can also give through the Faith Life app on your smartphones. Simply go download the Faith Life app and sign up. Another way to give is to simply text GIVE and the amount to 706-250-6834. Again, that is 706-250-6834. Lastly, you can simply mail in your check, your support to Thompson Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 398, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. I would like to invite you to come and join us for worship on Sunday at 11 a.m. We are located at 607 Jackson Street, in Thompson, Georgia. Feel free to check out our website at thompsonpresbyterian.org for all ministries and event details. You can also call us at 706-309-0213 or email us at churchoffice at thompsonpresbyterian.org. Thank you for listening today. Now receive God's blessing. 
And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, may he support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Amen.